Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. Great to have you in on a Tuesday. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Back from a little time off. Damon Barr is still here. Great to be joined by him. Many thanks to Damon and Elijah for covering it yesterday. We are loaded up. Plenty of thoughts on Mahomes since he can do his Scrooge McDuck backstroke in a room just full of money. Good on uh, the Chiefs. Good on Mahomes. And listen, man, I don't really have a dog in the fight with the Chiefs. I I don't, not a huge super Chiefs fan. I love watching them play. And I love watching Mahomes play specifically. And we'll get to do that for the next uh, several years, even as both teams can kind of decide to to move forward or break up in 2025. Uh, The best there is, the most enjoyable to watch, in my opinion, is going to be in Kansas City. If you've been down to Arrowhead, you know it's a party. And it's a, a happier party when they're scored about 45 a game. So uh, plenty to dive into on the Patrick Mahomes deal. Some Nebraska football thoughts on, you know, what do we do if you're uh, put in this position in 7 to 10 to, to 21 days of conference-only games? No non-con, all Big Ten all the time. I think you as a fan would be okay with it. Uh, Would Nebraska be able to handle it at this point in their program rebuild? We'll spend some time on that. Mitch Sherman from The Athletics is going to join us in about 20 minutes. And former Chief and Husker standout Eric Warfield in the 5 o'clock hour. And then the voice of the Kansas City Chiefs, Mitch Holtis, at 525. Can get in if you want, 46637. 76466-3776-800-825-5865. Numbers to dial. Find us on Twitter. Give me a follow at Schmidt underscore radio for Chris Schmidt. At Damon Barr with two R's for Damon Barr on Twitter. And as always at ESPN Lincoln or at Hale Varsity. You can email Chris at Hale Varsity. Dot com. So a lot to get into. So Damon, talk to me here about Neville. The new wideout saw that he committed to Nebraska over the uh, 4th of July holiday weekend. Did so on Saturday. I know you and Elijah had a chance to get caught up. Another big-bodied wide receiver, Coach Lubick, killing it on the recruiting trail in short order. But uh, what were your impressions, man? What did you think of Neville? And uh, yet the size and the speed matter and uh, there are big projections for him to come uh, when you look at some of his high school numbers now versus what can be as he goes into a senior season and fits into that wide receiver room. Right. Standing at 6'3", some places have him listed at 6'4". He uh, said the one thing that he's been working on over this past offseason and everything has been his vertical game. He loves to play the uh, out wide, the X receiver, mm-hmm. and he really uh, talks about his vertical game a lot. And interesting thing he told us is that um, he wears number seven for his current high school team and he's going to take Frost's number when he gets to Nebraska. <laughs> McCaffrey's changing his number apparently. Oh. According, he, I think he wants to, according to 
Neville. So we'll see uh, him wear number seven when he gets here. Well, that's pretty cool. And uh, is do we know what, what Luke's changing it to? No. Is it an ode to, to older brother Christian? Is it an ode to whatever number Dylan's wearing at Michigan? Does he go with the old Nate Swift tribute and go 87 like Easy Ed wore in Denver for all those years? You know, you look at quarterback numbers and there's been a couple of odd ones, more so Doug Flutie wore 22. And Bernie Kosar wore 19. Not a lot of 19s aside from Johnny Unitas. But man, uh, it's uh, whatever, man. Luke, you do you, brother. And, uh, you know, seven, that's, that's, that seven means a lot when you look at all the number sevens out there for Nebraska football. I think Ricky Simmons wore number seven. Uh, of course, uh, Mr. Crouch wore number seven. And so did Frosty. And uh, so on and so forth. But hey, uh, get me seven. And he's working on that vertical. He's hoping on some jump balls into the end zone. Check that interview out. Uh, Neville, the, the newest commit for Nebraska football, joined Hale Varsity yesterday. Good work by Elijah and Damon to run him down. ESPNLincoln.com on demand is where you get it. So as you've had a chance to digest the Mahomes news, you've got half a billion designated to the uh, soon-to-be fourth-year quarterback. Of course, redshirted, had one start in Denver, threw for near 300 yards, and the rest has been sweet, sweet music if you're a Chiefs fan, and really, honestly, if you're an NFL fan, because I don't know about you, but when Favre hung it up and Manning stepped away and you've had luck retire, the quarterback is going to be the face of the NFL, and you have that right now in Patrick Mahomes. You also have uh, phenomenal talent in Lamar Jackson that big things and fun things are expected from Baltimore. You've got a young quarterback in Wentz and another young quarterback out with the Rams that are, are super talented, and I know Wentz didn't physically get to a Super Bowl uh, Foles had to come in and, and finish that up. But the point is, is you've got a good crop of young kids. You've got Dak Prescott that, with some help around him, he is very steady and very talented. And then you have Watson down with the Texans, who I love watching him. I loved watching him at Clemson. He's kind of got that it factor. He had it in college, and he's been uh, just phenomenal down uh, with the Texans. But he hasn't been able to get by. Mahomes, right? So that's what separates Patrick Mahomes in 36 games. He's 28 and 8. He's 4 and 1 in the postseason. And he's all about certainty. And there is so much that goes into paying a guy this amount of money. You have past performance. You can't argue with that. Uh, and and an, AF, an AFC championship loss only to Brady in overtime, okay? And then you follow that up, you deal with injury, you bounce back from that, and in in incredible fashion, you lead your team to double-digit deficit wins, okay? You're you're down 17, 20, whatever the the numbers were, and you win and and cover, all right? You cover the number. So the, the offense and the supporting cast is perfect. The fit and understanding with his talents and skill set for the Andy Reid offense is fantastic. 
above all, this is about happiness. You've got a happy guy in Patrick Mahomes that's worked his butt off, that loves to win, that loves to compete. He enjoys the game. He loves the city uh, down there in Kansas City. He loves the fan base. He's a guy that it will not get better with another franchise. He is content, and he wants to keep crushing it. He's hungry, and he's not putting his feet up and just chilling after an incredible roller coaster that's been capped off with a Super Bowl so good so early. I don't worry about him fading. Kansas City looked at him and said, this guy's special because he's got it between the ears as well as on that right shoulder. And he's mobile, and he can make throws, and he's he's a highlight. He is What's he going to do next, man? He's, he's Pete Maravich. He's uh, LeBron James. He's Michael Jordan. He's in that category of wow factor that's going to bring eyeballs and ears. And that fan base will keep growing. Or even if you don't like Kansas City, you're going to tune in to watch him because he is special. And that's what makes this thing a no-brainer. It isn't going to kill the franchise, so it's not a Seattle situation where Russell Wilson, on his rookie contract, he won and won a lot and was really good. And while he got to be MVP-level difference maker at quarterback, he was more than a manager early in his career. But above all, it was that Legion of Boom defense that got Seattle to the Super Bowls. Russell had uh, Marshawn. Uh, Russell's had to do more of it himself, but Seattle's really not tapered off. He's been great. The thing that Mahomes has done is he's gone out there, he's proven it, and he's followed up a wow year one after the redshirt year with the payoff and a Super Bowl victory. So past performance is part of this deal. But there are few guys... It's it's gambles, right? It's about investment. It's about a what's the payoff going to be? Are we going to be right? And they've been right every step of the way with trading up to draft him. And some of us were like, "Hey, Mahomes was fun to watch at Tech. They went five and seven. Is this going to work?" Well, yeah, they knew what the hell they were doing. The chief scouting department, Andy Reid, the ownership, and this this could not be more perfect. And the, and the word perfect is thrown around. This is. The absolute definition of it in the NFL with scheme and talent and the trigger man in Patrick Mahomes. So I don't scoff at this uh, because he is uh, the guy in the league for the next 10 to 12 years. You hope that I don't know that you're going to get the full 12. I, I hope you get five more really, really high level ones. And does Kansas City jump into that New England atmosphere of of next dynasty you've won one and with this contract it isn't going to cripple the franchise how many more can you go get because that's the mindset from Mahomes. that's the mindset from ownership that's the mindset from Andy Reid and the guy that's going to get you there is is Patrick Mahomes now you look at 10-year deals you've had some NFL analysts go eh, you know that's a long long time it is but again, there can be a, let's take a break and discuss this in 2025. That's kind of the beauty of it. I looked at this, and this is a sw- just an incredible tweet from Lewis Riddick. Mahomes is 24. Tariq Hill's 26. The Cheetah, you know how awesome he is in the slot. You have Hardman at 22. Kelsey's at 30. Watkins is at 27. Damian Williams is fantastic at 28. And old Clyde coming up from LSU, Edwards Hilaire's, is 21. They are loaded. 
they are loaded to put a lot of points on the board, and it's going to be Kansas City and Baltimore for a long, long time. I don't know where New England fits into the conversation with Cam. I know Rex Burkhead just restructured his deal from $2.5 million to just over a million dollars, so he can stay there. Uh, good on Rex being a team player and that good old screw you. You're with the Patriots. Take a pay cut. It happens to, to many. It happened to Rex. So uh, this isn't shocking. This isn't a bad investment. As many folks question the Mahomes pick, and that's been well documented uh, three years ago. Oh, what are they doing? Listen, I'm going to be in the water with a lot of people saying this is a no-brainer. And let's just hope we get to see high-level Mahomes from an injury-free standpoint for the next five to seven years. And let's see what Kansas City can do. The rest of the division's getting better. All right? So you've got a little bit of a rebuild and quarterback question mark with the Chargers. Denver seems to feel good about where they're going. They've stepped up. Gruden's now in Vegas, and they'll win again with him. So you've got a really potentially good division that knows they got to catch up. You've got the AFC that still has the Texans. Uh, You still have New England uh, because Belichick's there. And, of course, you're going to have Baltimore and then Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh's a squad that isn't done yet. The fact they went 8-8 eight and eight with all their injuries and issues is incredibly impressive. But really, no one's freaked out about this. They just kind of nod their head and say, yeah, this dude's awesome. And pay him, as you know, KGB would say, pay that the man his money. And you got him. And you got him locked up. Here is Patrick Mahomes on why he went long-term. And it goes back to his dad and his godfather, Latroy Hawkins, and their experience with MLB contracts. I would say it definitely played a part. I mean, uh, obviously, being able to talk to my dad about it, uh, be able to talk to Latroy about it, and them going through the process of they didn't sign that long-term contract, but they saw players who did, and they saw players who went about it and how they – kind of got that that long-term security and were able to go out there and play free knowing that they had the security that they, that they had always wanted. Uh, definitely was something that I was able to talk to them about and get a lot of information from them. And, and look, I mean, you can't, uh, I mean, there's no offense. You can't do this with every single organization, but when you have an organization with the, the stability and the culture that, that we have in the, the chiefs organization, I felt very comfortable and had a lot of trust that I could do, do a contract like this, knowing that we were going to have that same stability by the time I'm at the end of that contract. You've got a guy that is so stable off the field, and that's the difference. You have contracts that have existed, 10-year deals. Donovan McNabb, 12 years with the Eagles in 02 for $115 million. Brett Favre, lifetime deal with Green Bay in 01, $100 million. You know where he ended up. Bledsoe, 10-year, $103 million deal in 01 with the Pats, and then they... <laughs> then they go get Brady, right? They 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 had Brady, but the point is, is Bledsoe was the number one pick overall. Mike Vick, number one pick overall. He signed two different $100 million deals. This was a 10-year deal in 04 on Christmas Eve with the Falcons. Dante Culpepper with the Vikings cashed in as they extended him after really early good numbers and playoff runs by Dante, 10 years, $102 million. Uh, this was a $16 million in guarantees for the Vikings in 03. We know what happened with Culpepper. It didn't end up working out for him. 
although he uh, did make Nebraska fans sweat at Central Florida one sunny, hot September day with Central Florida. So this can be a a watershed moment, not only money-wise, but this is really the blueprint. You get the guy that's got it between the ears off the field that equals what he can do physically in a perfect fit offensively on the field. We'll spend some time on Nebraska football as we hope college football is a reality. Mitch Sherman from The Athletic. Coming up next, a tale of our city were presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And we're back. Fellas, you think we could listen to the radio? On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Back with you, Tale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Damon Barr, we say hi to Mitch Sherman from The Athletic, at Mitch Sherman on Twitter. Mitch, how was the weekend of baseball? Uh, it was, it was, it went well. Uh, good weekend, one, two, lost one, so, um... Thank you for asking. We can just continue to do these updates until there's actual sports, um, you know, adult, <laughs> high school, college, whatever it is, sports to uh, to break down. But uh, it went pretty well. We we uh, played well on Saturday and uh, played the longest um, nine-year baseball game in history on Sunday. Are we talking 18 innings or what? Not necessarily innings. I think it might have only been five, but it was about three hours and there were 49 runs scored. Ah, well, you got the offense going. Is your arm okay from waving people around third? I'm coaching first, and uh-huh. um, yeah, it, it's uh, I'm I'm doing fine. Thanks for asking. Uh, well, we need a live chicken for tonight's showdown with the Lincoln A's because we had a one in three weekend. So mm. back at it. There's always another weekend. We're back at it this weekend, as I'm, I'm sure you are too. Yeah, Mitch. Uh, a thought here on Neville's commitment uh, for Nebraska. That's another wide out and what were your expectations for for coach Lubick uh, yeah. when, it, when it came to the recruiting trail and I assume he's exceeded those because man Nebraska's got a different look and a pretty nice look here for uh, future classes in that wide out room yeah this is a, this is a Matt Lubick recruit um, I caught up with Latrell this week and we'll have a story out toward the end of the week about the changing look both in recruiting and as we get closer to this year of Nebraska's wide receiving core, and it's, it's getting noted, notably bigger, and that is um, something that Matt Lubick is is uh, strongly influencing. Now he didn't go out and recruit Omar Manning or Xavier Betts, but he's been there for the commitments of Sean Hardy, and this one, Latrell Neville in particular, has Lubick's fingerprints all over it. Uh, Neville, as you've probably read elsewhere is connected to Lubick all the way back to Lubick's time at Washington. And when Matt got to Nebraska and Latrell was a Virginia Tech commit, I don't know, I don't, I get the impression that this would not have happened, the commitment on July 4th, uh, if Matt Lubick had not come as the Nebraska offensive coordinator. So uh, it was interesting to get the thoughts, too, of Heinrich Harburg. Um, I chatted with him this week, and his voice will be in this story. Um, a big quarterback about the influx of big receivers coming into this class with him in 2021. You know what? You can do a lot with that size and speed combination, and it's just a, it's just a matchup issue for defenses. And if you get guys that have that size and physicality that can block on the edge for the running game and then just out-athlete guys in the secondary, specifically in that red zone, 
with a big quarterback. I mean, sky's the limit for the Nebraska offense moving forward. And uh, you want to get uh, folks that, that fit your not only mental profile, but physical profile. Mitch, uh, a thought with Nebraska as, as we continue to play the waiting game with, with COVID and uh, you see what Harvard's done. You looked at what USC has done in the Ivy League as far as they're looking at spring for football. If Nebraska has to to put pause or push pause on some of the non-conference and other conferences and schools do the same, how prepared, how would it go? How do you think it'd go for Nebraska just doing 10 conference games? Are they ready now to handle that? where the program's at from a from a development standpoint. Ten conference games in the Big Ten. Well, it's better than a situation where you play non-conference games that aren't up to the same kind of safety measures sure. that the conference games are. And, you know, it's crazy how much things change in a short period of time because a lot of the discussion right now seems to be headed in that direction. Not to say that that will be the final decision. I know that there are still a lot of scenarios that are being discussed at the conference level and the Big Ten elsewhere and even at the school level. Um, but we're perhaps headed in that direction. And a week ago, you know, we were talking about South Dakota State and its preparedness. I'm still interested to see what happens with a game like that. Obviously, if non-conference games are squashed, I can't imagine uh, an FCS team coming into Lincoln. But, um, you know, there is still some merit to considering a game like that. Um, because it's close geographically, because it's a smaller roster, because South Dakota State plays in a state with low numbers of coronavirus infections, um, and it would be easier to test that entire team than it would, say, um, Cincinnati or even Central Michigan. So it's probably going to go one way or the other, Chris. I I would expect you're either going to have all the non-conference games, try to play all the non-conference games, or you're going to have none of them. Um, and that's unfortunate for a school like South Dakota State if it does go the direction of conference only. And, and it may be, it may not be that. I think we'll find out sooner rather than later on, on that one. We're getting into, uh, you know, inching closer to mid-July. And I think that's probably about as far as these conferences would be willing to take, um, you know, not knowing what's going to happen in September. Um, if it does come to that and you're playing 10 conference games, um, clearly, you start with your division foes, and you look at those six, and perhaps you play some kind of a double round robin, um, which would be more than ten games, or perhaps you uh, you work in four uh, non divisional games. Um, you know that would mean more travel. It would mean uh, you know exposing your team to players who are in a different region geographically than you have only here in the Big Ten West. Um, and that's going to be up to the health experts and the uh, university presidents, athletic directors, coaches, and all who are making the decisions. Um, but uh, I, I do expect that, that something is going to be decided, whether it's conference only or it try to incorporate the non-conference um, here in the next uh, several days. You've heard the, the idea of move it back to spring, move the fall season to spring. What's your yeah. reaction to that? Well, there's a lot of problems involved with that because you're giving up a chance in the fall to make this work. Um, if it gets to a point where you proceed and it absolutely isn't going to happen because you have teams that are having outbreaks and games are getting canceled left and right, then I think it would be appropriate to pull the plug. We don't know it's going to be better in the spring. We don't know there's going to be a vaccine in the spring. If you had that guarantee that everything was going to be fine in January, you knew you could start the season on New Year's Day or, on, or, or at the end of January. I'd be more open to, uh, to, to considering, you know, 
watching college football. I'm not making the I'm not making the decision, but sure. I'd be more open to uh, um, watching college football um, go that route. But we don't know. We don't know where this country, you know, where this pandemic is going to be in January or March or April. We could still be sitting here waiting for something as we get well into next spring. So. Um, at that point, if you give things up in the fall, do you give it up in the spring too? Then you've missed two opportunities. Um, you know, you're probably in an economic free fall at the university level, at the athletic department level at that point. I think you have to try to make it work in the fall right now. I understand that there's a lot of uh, um, impediments and maybe it won't work, but if you just take a pass on it in hopes that the spring is going to work without any kind of guarantee that things are going to be better in the spring, uh, I think it's a missed opportunity and, uh, and, you know, probably not a great idea here as we sit in July. Mitch Sherman's with us from The Athletic at Mitch Sherman on Twitter. So, Mitch, a thought. Do you think the the rest of the, the, the Power Five conferences are taking cues from the SEC? If the SEC forges forward and there's a lot of states that have a lot of spike issues with COVID in the SEC, but if, if they say we're going to march forward and try and be as – Cautious is careful, careful, and careful. We're gonna we're gonna play ball. Does that make other leagues, i.e., Big Ten, ACC, Big Twelve, follow suit, or do you think conferences will be able to step back and stand on their own two legs, saying this is not safe, this is not what's best for us or our student athletes? Well, I, I think the Big Ten and the SEC together lead the way in college football. And if there's this, it will be interesting if, is if the Big Ten decides to go one way and the SEC decides to go another. That would be where there would be a divide, where perhaps you'd see one league follow the, the Big Ten, another follow the SEC. But certainly if both of those leagues, which are the, the primary drivers of money and television and just so much power and influence in college football, if those two leagues get on the same page and go the same direction with scheduling and other things, then I think, yeah, you'll see the other eight football-playing conferences, the three power five leagues, five group of five leagues, um, all fall in place behind those, uh, those, those two big ones. Mitch, uh, I want to go NFL here, and I know you're a Royals guy. Not quite sure who your NFL team is, but a monster splash financially with Patrick Mahomes, and I know you've covered a lot of the Big 12 in your career as well. <laughs> Did you ever envision Mahomes being this incredible out of tech? I didn't see the four hundred million dollar contract coming, Chris. I got to tell you that. <laughs> I, 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 say sure. Why yeah, not? I, I was not. You know, hey, I'll say this: I was not in the camp that Patrick Mahomes was just another system quarterback at Texas Tech, like he was going to be the next the next Cliff Kingsbury in the in the NFL. Um, I, I I was covering the Big Twelve when Mahomes was was putting up huge numbers at Tech. Um, working for ESPN, and, and um, you know, I wrote about him. I traveled to uh, to a Tech road game at Arizona State on a crazy hot September night. His, I believe it was his junior year, to follow him around and meet his family because Phoenix is easier to get to than Lubbock. And um, ended up writing about uh, Kalen Balaj, the Arizona State running back, who scored eight touchdowns in that game instead of Patrick Mahomes. But he put on a show too. And, you know, I, I, in, the, in the few games that I cover, I went to Tech to cover a game, uh, a Tech-West Virginia game um, in, in Mahomes' career, um, another, another one that Texas Tech lost. But even in those, in those instances, you know, it was clear to see that he was different and that he had some kind of a charisma and, you know, magnetism about him. That, and I, I think that's part of it. I think that he makes the guys play 
a different way around him. You've got to you got to have the right players in the system. I mean, it's fortunate for for Mahomes that he's been at Texas Tech and now with the Chiefs, where they've got wide open, imaginative offenses with um, extremely athletic and capable wide receivers and running backs who can do all kinds of things around him. That's part of what makes him great. But he's just the perfect guy to put in that in that scenario. And you know, I love seeing what what uh, the way that he's transformed. Um, the sports community in Kansas City, you know, it helps. Uh, it helps. Well, it's great for the Chiefs, and I, I think it's good for the Royals too. So, um, you know, I don't really have an NFL team to the same degree that I do MLB, but um, I'm a Patrick Mahomes fan for sure. That is awesome to hear, and I, I remember that Arizona State shootout, and remember the Oklahoma Tech games over the years where there's video game numbers that are <laughs> that are still standing and in, in high scoring offenses, and it's just been a perfect transition from a fit a mentality and then a talent around a guy that loves playing ball and you hit it you said it right from a charisma standpoint guys love playing with him and he loves playing ball so it's going to be a lot of fun Mitch uh, have a good week and weekend of baseball we'll talk next week thanks for a few minutes okay good to talk to you Chris thanks take care Mitch Sherman we'll call him the coach over there at first uh Eric Warfield former chief Husker legend is coming up in 25 minutes. Get his take on Mahomes and some Husker football. Voice of Kansas City, Mitch Holtis at 525. Hail Varsity continues. We're presented by the Nebraska Lottery. He's in his 30s, but sounds like he was born with a stogie in one hand and a brew in the other. Now, say my name. It's Schmitty on Hail Varsity Radio. I got the body of a taught Pre-teen Swedish boy. We're getting back in at Tail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Reminder about your friends at the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. One out of three fatal crashes involves an impaired driver driving drunk, buzzed or high, never acceptable. And law enforcement officers working around the clock to stop Drunk driving with sobriety checkpoints and saturation patrols. As a driver, make that correct choice of a non-alcoholic drink. Have that pre-selected driver. Be smart. Start the conversation. Who's driving home? Brought to you by the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. Enjoyed that chat with Mitch Sherman. His thoughts on Mahomes from back in the tech days. Of course, Nebraska. And yeah, what's our outlook look like right now and our answer is this uh ask me tomorrow (laughs) that's where we're at ask me tomorrow but you do have some some preseason polls out for the big 10 24 7 sports did their media day poll for the preseason so damon i'm gonna give you three guesses the first two don't count who's winning the big 10 in 2020 if they play ohio state yes Who's coming in second in the East? In the East, Penn State. Okay. Who's third? Michigan. Uh-huh. Just like last year. It's like two years ago. Indiana. Look at them. Number four. They are picked to be a top four finisher in the Big Ten East. In front of Sparty. In front of Maryland. And uh, Rutgers is... Rutgers may like not lose any games next year. Might not win any either because there's probably not going to be football in Jersey, which sucks. It does. I mean, 
but you got to be better safe than sorry. Uh, for the West, it got tight with where Nebraska came in. So Wisconsin had nine first place votes. They are your West Division pick. Minnesota in at number two with two, two of the 11 votes to be the first place team in the West and go win that side of the division. Iowa, a solid three, but there's some anonymous quotes from Big Ten coaches in this 24-7 sports preview. And they believe that some of the off-season turmoil in Iowa City will affect the Hawkeyes. They've had uh, double-digit wins three times in the last 10 seasons, but Iowa's been trending the right way. They're right there. Nebraska comes in at four, just a vote and point ahead of Purdue. So Nebraska by an eyelash in front of Purdue, who's slated fifth, Northwestern six, Illinois is in at seven. So, and I love what Hale Varsity is doing here with the buy or sell. Listen, if I'm buying these predicted order of finishes, I'm clearly buying Ohio State. They were the unanimous with 11 first place votes. I'm buying Penn State. And listen, I think Penn State could beat Ohio State this year. They get them in Happy Valley. I just don't know that Penn State stays unscathed. I think Michigan's going to be better. But there's your, I think they've nailed it. I think your top four, your top four. And Coach Allen has things going in Indiana. Listen, if, if Rutgers can't play ball or the travel restrictions don't allow Nebraska to find their way to Rutgers and hook up with Vedral, I would love to see Nebraska-Indiana again. Don't care where, but just give me give me Nebraska-Indiana again as, as a replacement. Give me Sparty as a replacement if you can't figure out a way to get Penn State here. There are options to kind of go back to this 10-game conference schedule. What would you prefer? Would you prefer five divisional po- opponents and, and then give me five East Division opponents, or would you want a round robin where you're going to have eight of the ten, you'll face Minnesota home and home, you'll get Wisconsin home and home, you'll get, I mean, go down the list of the West teams. I'd be good with that. Give me the round robin, and then let's sprinkle in Ohio State, Penn State. Now, I know that's a, it's a brutal schedule, but it's fun every week. I just don't know that Nebraska in their development phase. I mean, we've we've talked about since the, the schedule came out, Nebraska's close, right? Where their close is Wisconsin and in, in Iowa, and those are on the road. You, you get Minnesota at home on Black Friday. You have Ohio State and Penn State in consecutive weeks, and then it's Iowa, and then it's Wisconsin, and I think those orders are flipped, but then it's Minnesota. People are freaking, and it's okay to freak out about the close anyway, those five games. Can you get there already bowl eligible? I think the answer is yes, if you're Nebraska, assuming you get those games. Otherwise, you're going to have to to face Iowa twice or Minnesota twice. And you get, you, you know, 
you're you're going to get them at home, and those games are fun. Now we will see who's in the stands and how many are in the stands. I mean, there's a whole can of worms here to to dissect through, but I would almost rather see a Minnesota twice or a Wisconsin twice than I would see a Michigan State once or even an Indiana once. But Purdue twice would be fun. Northwestern twice. Lord knows that thing's headed to overtime and it's going to make you drink lots of bourbon to get through it. There's just been tight ball games in the West. I mean, who's Nebraska beat and blown out in the West? Minnesota's the last team they absolutely clobbered, and that was back in, in 2018. Nebraska's taken some on the chin. They've put a, a, enough points to, to be very competitive against Wisconsin twice. They've blown out Minnesota once, and Minnesota got them back. The Purdue games have been fairly tight, with Purdue making the plays in tight games to win. And then you've had a, a couple of shootouts with Illinois, to be honest. I mean, those games in Lincoln and then the game in Champaign last year, I mean, that thing was very tight. But if, if my vote counts, and clearly it does not, give me the round robin of West teams and sprinkle in two of the East Division foes. Maybe that's Michigan. Maybe that is Ohio State. I don't know if you can get Penn State. But I like the idea of if you can bus here, you can play it. To me, that's that's very fair. That's healthy. And I honestly think when push comes to shove economically with safety precautions, you're going to get a, a whole lot of regional ball. Or the other thing is, let's make a deal. And let's make a deal with Iowa State and Kansas State and maybe Missouri or North Dakota State or... Pick some teams that you're interested in seeing. I think the more bang for your buck and the higher level of football and how pretty even and rough the Big Ten West is, I mean, Nebraska's not at the level of Wisconsin, clearly, but they're trying to build up that way, and you get there by competing against those teams. But if you did it twice a year, you might be accelerated. And now, and now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. One final time this hour, Eric Warfield, standout uh, former Kansas City Chief and multiple national champion Husker. We'll get a hold of Warfield as soon as he gets off the golf course in about 10 minutes. Mitch Holtis, voice of the Chiefs, weighs in on Patrick Mahomes as he can go full Scrooge McDuck. 466-377-6800-825-5865-466-3776. Numbers to get in. So I asked this, and it was a posted question by Professor Schrader from uh, Nebraska, University of Nebraska, broadcasting professor, phenomenal dude. And he asked a simple question a few days ago, and this is right about the time I went on vacation. But I want to get your take here, and I want you to speak, Damon Barr, the king of rum, for the student section. If you had to sign a waiver to attend, would you? If that's the cost of admission and I'm definitely going to the game, then yeah, I'm signing that waiver if I'm a, one of the collective student section members, I think. Okay. And I, I, I would sign it to, I, you know, if I get to get to cover games this fall in person. 
listen, I will absolutely sign it to go. Excited about it. And love doing that on Saturdays, uh, covering and throwing out my two cents on what I saw for Nebraska football for pre- and post-games down in the rail yard. You know, and that's what it's going to turn into. And if, if you ask fans to do a waiver, you should probably ask players to do the same. And if players don't want to sign a waiver, if they're worried about their long-term health with this stupid virus, then good on them for saying, look, I'm out. And I completely get it because you don't know what it's going to be like for your health effect when you're 45 or when you're 65 or when you're 30 or God forbid you have some conditions and it completely blasts you the, the here and now. So it's, it's a serious situation and we'll see where things go with it as uh, Nebraska, along with the big 10 in constant contact and discussion with the, uh, the mood, there's no vaccine, but I think, Mitch nailed it where your your two conference leaders, the SEC and the Big Ten, will dictate. If the SEC is, is the first to say yay or nay, you feel pressure to follow suit or you feel the ability to stand up and say no, but economics are going to be what what rules things. It's money, and it's money for communities and it's money for people and you can't put a price on health or life i I understand that i'm interested too because the pac-12 says you know we're out everyone's gonna be like well who cares you're the pac-12 as much as i love pac-12 after dark you're just still clinging to power five status because of of some blue bloods And, and oregon's a hell of a good program We'll see where Washington goes. I think they could be good. SC, what are you going to get with them? But if the Pac-12 is the one that says we're out first, that does not indicate to me, just like it doesn't indicate me, whatever the Ivy League's doing, they're smart kids, and we're all probably working for somebody from the Ivy League. But from a, from a football directive, they don't weigh a lot. Bless their heart. Have your spring football. Columbia, Harvard, Harvard, Yale. The ultimate pranks. Okay, Eric Warfield's next Hail Varsity Hour 2. Welcome to Hail Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hail Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Great to have you in hour two. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Damon Barr is in today, back from vacation. Excited to spend a few minutes with a standout Husker, multiple-time national champion, and a longtime NFLer with the Kansas City Chiefs and Patriots. Eric Warfield with us. Eric, thanks for a few minutes. How's your summer, man? Uh, I mean, it is what it is, uh, considering uh, the things that we're dealing with. In this world, uh, as far as COVID and uh, trying to get back things back to normal, so it's been interesting. I've I've, I've uh, had opportunities to get out and work on the golf game, but 
other than that, I'm just trying to survive each day. <laughs> well, I appreciate you jumping on, man. It's always fun to chat with you. Now, before we get into what type of, uh, you know, West Wing estate Patrick Mahomes will store his money in, <laughs> uh, I need to know how golf went today for one Eric Warfield. One, uh, I shot an 88, so it wasn't that good. But well, I enjoyed it. Well, I'll let you know when I shoot an 88, all right? Um, <laughs> 88's all right. got to be better than that. Dude, I play enough. I should be better. But it's usually my partner carrying me. <laughs> it uh, happens. No, it does. So are, are you the guy in golf that, that folks want to be on your team, or are they like, man, Warfield's on my team? And I mean that in, in, in the most sincere way. I think for the most part, I, I'm a good teammate to have. Not as far as as a skill level to get you uh, the birdies or whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm, a, I'm a good teammate as far as entertainment. <laughs> uh, I, I usually have good stories. Uh-huh. Um, I don't throw irons or balls uh, out of frustration. Um, I'm a good support man, so I try to you know make sure I, I got uh, my team's confidence up and. Uh, mm-hmm. And that we're playing on a good level, so it's usually a fun outing. I just I go out for the pleasure of it. Man, that's the way to get to get that mindset for golf, and you know, and don't kid. You know, you can brag a little bit. You're going to hit a big shot or two, right? Exactly. I, I think we all are. Is, well, I'm just not consistent with it. That's the bad part. <laughs> well, no, I got you. So you, you got good stories. Do you have a Patrick Mahomes story for me? Ah. <sighs> I mean, like, am I picking out a game? Well, or... just just either either bumping into him or... Okay, one impressive thing I have. Um, so during when all the quarantine had first started, yep. um, most of the golf courses, well, golf was technically the only thing you could do that was uh, sports-related, mm-hmm. but that you could keep the distance. Uh, at one point, I want to say at least 90% of the courses here in Texas, or at least in Dallas, were closed. Uh, and one in particular who sat right on the uh, outskirts of a uh, county line is in Grapevine. That's the uh, Cowboys. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're open every day. And I was out there maybe three or four times a week. Well, Patrick was out there about three or four times a week. <laughs> and when I say he crushes the ball, he crushes the ball. Like, it's not even fair. And he's not he doesn't hit a driver most of the time. He hits his uh, – it's three iron, it's uh, three wood as far as we hit our driver. So it, it's embarrassing, but it's impressive. So he's a three wood guy off the box. What's he, what's he, what's his distance? I would say that he was at least 330 with that thing. Man. Man, I would need one of those like rocket launchers to, to hit. To fire a golf ball 330. I just aim for the middle, man. That's what I do. So basically, for me to try to keep up with him, I'd have to hit from the red team. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Tusker Red and Chiefs Red, you do you, Eric. We exactly. won't we won't judge. Eric Warfield's with us on Hale Varsity, uh, uh, longtime chief and Husker standout. So you played a long time in the league, and you're a guy that that was drafted in the seventh round and not only did you you start for a lot of years you got a free agent deal put this into perspective what he did and look at it from a from a guaranteed standpoint eric because just because espn's bottom line shows me 503 million dollars that's not the 
that's not all of it because it's such a, a cutthroat industry, the NFL, yeah. with what you actually take home. Exactly. So, and, and most of that stuff is going to be backloaded. Uh, but yet, to at least, I mean, I don't want to say to at least, but to sign something with that number, you're looking at a half a billion dollars right there. Uh, that's, that's just phenomenal, phenomenal within itself to have any sports pay somebody that kind of money. Um, I think, for me, my opinion, he's earned every penny. I mean, within the, the few years that he's been in the NFL, I've yet to see anybody come out and perform the way he's performed. To go out and, and to – I would – it's kind of hard to say we, we, we could have went back-to-back because we ended up losing the, uh, the Patriots the year before. Mm-hmm. But we could have easily been sitting here – with two Super Bowls with him uh, and, and looking forward to next year to getting back there. So uh, he's earned every penny that he's got. And if they, they give, had given him more, I would not argue. That's where, that's kind of how I feel. And I look at beyond, you know, the third and eight completions. I look at beyond the 28 and eight record. I look beyond the four and one postseason. I look at the effect of the other 52 guys. I look at the fit with the coaching staff and the offense, and it's not often you nail it, Eric, when it comes to drafting or fit or projection of a college guy. How does this air raid dude go to the NFL and then redshirt after you get rid of a guy who's winning 11 games a year for you and like, all right, we're good. Let's be great. And, and they got it right. To me, it's his mentality, Eric, that makes this investment is in a world of uncertainty uh, a really fair shake for him and the organization. It is. Uh, and and the Chiefs have done a phenomenal job with, with adding the right pieces. Kelsey was an all-pro player before uh, Mahomes got there. And those, those two just fit. They just, they just came together so well and then they had – Tariq uh, to add, but the way Tariq Hill uh, continued to progress over the years and, and the rest of the guys that, uh, that they that they added, they just seemed to fall right in place. And it, it's, to me, I kept comparing it to the Golden State team as to how they came in with Curry and mm. and then they got all and how he had a phenomenal year and came right back and put up even better numbers and ended up winning the championship. Um, and now hopefully they. We, I won't say they, but the Chiefs can have a dynasty. You know, we've had the year before, which was a really good year, uh, that we kind of left slipped away, and we came back. We settled unfinished business this year, and hopefully can do it again this year. I mean, we got we got all the the pieces from our offense that are still there. Uh, We're missing a key piece in in our defense with Chris Jones. Uh, I don't know if we have the money to. To pay him now, but uh, right now it's just a matter of trying to keep up with our offense, and I, I hope that's not what we're doing uh, as a team-wise and not bringing Chris Jones back. But um, I wouldn't argue it if that's the case. I mean, if we had to pay Patrick Mahomes the amount of money we did to keep him locked in, I'm I'm 100% fine with that. Eric Warfield's with us a few minutes here. Hail Varsity Radio. Uh, standout Husker and multiple-time national champion. Longtime Kansas City Chief. His reaction to Patrick Mahomes, the deal, and the outlook for Kansas City. Tell me this from your perspective, man. You, uh, you had to D up against the Randy Mosses of the world. 
you played quarter, you played safety, you're an incredible athlete, and you're a defensive back that, like, would, would hit people, right? So, I mean, you got your nose dirty. So I got to ask you, from your perspective, what's the rest of the NFL dealing with trying to slow down this offense with this coach, the enemy and Reed, and, and this trigger guy in Mahomes? How difficult is it from a defensive standpoint? Oh, it's complicated, and, and it's not one of those that uh, – <clears throat> it doesn't have to be your rival team. You have to prepare for this team weeks ahead of time because it is basically the – what do you call Patrick Mahomes? He, he, I can't even give him a name because the guy just has so many tricks in his bag to where it's like he doesn't play fair. It, it is, it's like a trick code when he's out there. Like His, his pocket presence is, is, is great. His scrambling ability is great. But you move him east-west, and he can throw the ball cross bodies almost as good as he can just, you know, with a, with a perfect drop back. So um, his accuracy is way better than a lot of people uh, expected. And, and, and to be on a defensive side, you know you can't cheat at any point. You know, there's times where you think from the way an offense is set, where they come out in trips or doubles wide, uh, on sitting on one, one side of the hash mark or other, uh, there's only certain things that they can do within the offense. But with them, it's like you got to be prepared for something. Uh, they're going for, for cutthroat. They're, gonna, they're going for big points and, 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 and big yardage and on every play. But you got to play honest against him. Uh, take your read, play your read, and, and hope for the best. Uh, when you got a Kelsey, <laughs> you got a Tariq Hill out there, um, and and Patrick Mahomes is just phenomenal. It's it's hard to stop. And, and San Francisco did a did a pretty good job in the Super Bowl up until the last uh, quarter, mm-hmm. and that's when it kind of fell apart. And it's like, hey, you know, the better team ended up pulling it out. And I know that a lot of those 49er fans want to complain about the push off that uh, I forget the tight end's name Kittle's had. Mm-hmm. That was the completion on the sideline, but you know it was a. Blatant pass interference, uh, and, and I, to me, I think the better team won. Of which I think I haven't called it eleven point victory. Um, you did, sorry. you did, you did uh, Friday morning before the Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah, so it, it was just that the better team pulled it out that day. Eric, I want to switch gears for a couple of minutes, if you're good, uh, and and get your thoughts on Nebraska. Assuming there's football season, and, and we'll know here in a couple of weeks. If you had to pick, if Eric Warfield put on his commissioner of college football hat and said, okay, you're just going to get conference games only, would you rather do a home-and-home home round robin of the Big Ten West, or would you rather somehow morph in, you've got your uh, six non, your six West opponents as is that's, that are scheduled and give me four more Eastern Division foes. How would you? How would you build this twenty twenty schedule? Ugh. Oh man, I don't know. I don't know how I would go about doing that. Uh, this upcoming season for everything is, has has been difficult um, in every aspect because nobody knows what's going to happen uh, with the virus, uh, mm-hmm. with the fans. Uh, even with the sport itself, and, and 
trying to figure out uh, how would you uh, play a schedule with conferences and, and I would even, to me, I, I know I had this conversation with a couple of players, it's like, but what if your starting quarterback tests positive? Then you're screwed. You know, um, do you bring in somebody to just uh, and add an extra quarterback to the roster just in case, uh, you know, something happens and he gets sick? Uh, I don't know. This this whole virus thing has is, is, is thrown a wrench into a lot of, of, of what re- we know as reality and, uh, and predict, like, how – I would manage a season of what schedule. I, 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 I don't know. Whatever is easiest for the, the coaches. I don't even know how you do that because you, it's a contact sport. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's any way we can avoid um, – well, you can't think, but there's no way of avoiding uh, who and how it could be transferred. So I understand they want to test every day, and I don't – that's going to hit deep in the pockets of uh, – it's this whole scenario of life is difficult, and we're missing out on some great things as far as sports and kids living out their dreams and uh, whatever else. But it's 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 a difficult time to, to 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 be a spectator and to to be the athlete. So it's you know I, I don't know the answer to that on uh, on the schedule thing. Well, it's it, and you know what? Who knows? Because it changes every other day. And Eric Warfield's with us, uh, Hale Varsity Radio, standout Husker and former Kansas City Chief, uh, NFL veteran. So, last thought here, and I'll let you get out. And thanks again for catching up with us after your golf outing. What do you think uh, if we see it? You see from Adrian Martinez. He's a, he has a lot of talent. I, the confidence to me just wasn't there last year, and I, I don't know if it was a him and him and uh, Scott thing, not eye to eye, not um, being able to get uh, him the right plays to put him in the right position to make the big plays. To me, it just seemed like a confidence thing. He wasn't. He there was many opportunities uh, to where he could have he'd have big gaps to take off running. He sit there and. and he take the sack, or he try to force things, or um, I don't know. He he just doesn't have the. I don't want to say doesn't. Mm-hmm. Last year he didn't have the confidence, um, and I just hope that with this year coming up and uh, him seeing the possibilities uh, of what he could what he could be, uh, you know, just go out there and have fun, enjoy yourself, uh, know 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 your plan, know the know the, the playbook ahead of time. And go out there and, and, and run this ship the way it should be run. He has the talent. I think he has a good arm. He has good legs. He, he's able to take big hits. Uh, I just think he, he was missing the confidence last year. Eric Warfield's with us. Eric, be good. We'll do this again. Thanks for a few minutes, man. Fun to talk. Sound good. You guys be, be safe. You too, man. There he is. Eric Warfield with us. Great perspective there. Mitch Holt is up next. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. Well, big news in the NFL, and uh, one of the best quarterbacks to watch, Patrick Mahomes, got paid. You hear Mitch Holt his Sundays on KFOR, longtime voice of the Chiefs. Mitch, thanks for a few minutes. You have a good fourth weekend. Well, it's made better by this announcement, but uh, yeah, hanging in there like everybody else in Lincoln throughout the state. To get this announcement is. Uh, 
is a, I like extending the 4th of July weekend. <laughs> we uh, enjoy so much of your coverage uh, with the Chiefs Network and Patrick Mahomes. Mitch, when did it hit you that, wow, Patrick Mahomes is, is special and a, a perfect fit? At what point in Mahomes' career did, did, it, did it hit you? Well, it started, it was sequential, uh, Chris, but it started in the training camp of 2017. Now, that was his apprentice year, his rookie season, but he was spectacular at St. Joe in training camp. You, know, you could see then he had an unusual talent. But then, to see how he progressed as well in that apprentice year of 2017 under Alex Smith, the way he played in his very first start in Denver at the end of that 17 season and then to have a historic 2018 season and a better season, even though it wasn't better statistically, it was uh, from a standpoint of performance and how he was able to fight through adversity and win games. So it's been step by step by step, but we saw it as early as 2017 in training camp. Mitch Holtis, voice of the Chiefs with us, and uh, we're talking Patrick Mahomes, his record deal, and Mitch, you've been around the NFL uh, a long time, and, and I'm interested to get your thoughts not only on the number, but just how friendly this deal is for both sides. That's not always the case, specifically in the NFL, when we talk guaranteed money. Well, there's a lot of things to discuss in, in that realm. One is, I think, first and foremost, this contract shows the maturity of Patrick Mahomes. We know how great he is as a player. But he has such an emotional and mental maturity for a 24-year-old to say, I'm not only going to look at this short term, I'm going to look at this long term, and this is where I want to leave my footprint in the Chiefs' kingdom as the voice, or, sorry, as the quarterback of the Chiefs. Now, think about Lincoln and the pride of Lincoln and Alex Gordon playing his entire career with the Royals. Alex is a good player, but he's not the best player in the game. Patrick Mahomes is, and he has decided to make an Alex Gordon kind of commitment to the Chiefs' kingdom in Kansas City. But it's a win-win. Then everybody looks at the contract and goes, well, who won in this? Did the team win? Well, yeah. Did Patrick win? Well, yeah. I mean, you look at the even the budget of the University of Nebraska Athletic Department, you're talking, what, like five years of that in this contract. <laughs> so there's just a lot of drilling down to do, but it mainly it shows you just how mature Patrick Mahomes is to have the foresight to make it deal of this magnitude and saying I will build my life and I'll build my career uh, in the Chiefs kingdom. It's pretty rare that you have such a high level of trust, Mitch, from both sides. And and that's, yep. to me, what this speaks to. And you nailed it, that it's a maturity move by Mahomes, but also the Chiefs feel great about this guy, clearly on the field, but what he's about off the field. And is that something from a personality standpoint you noticed early on about Mahomes? Just, yeah, the guy came in and, and killed it, but just his personality and, and what he's kind of about, about off the field. I mean, was that uh, something that, that you saw early in, in his tenure in Kansas City. Yeah, Brett Veach saw it early when he was really scouting him in Lubbock, Texas at Texas Tech. But I started to notice it. I watched him on the field in St. Joe, but I hadn't been around him a lot. Although I was around him some in the summertime. I helped with a rookie symposium, they call it, kind of an academy for the rookies going into their careers. And I got a glimpse of it being around him there. But I was around him more as the season went on in 2017. And I remember thinking, wow, we got more here than we thought we were getting. Not is he just a splendid athlete, but he thinks like a coach. He's very smart. He's very cognizant and aware of his teammates. I've often said he might be the smartest guy in the room, but he never acts like it. And so you're, you're dead on with it. He, he's just a unique person. This is a very unique contract. And people, are, again, are thinking, well, 
you know, does this set the mold, break the mold? Well, maybe. But Patrick Mahomes breaks the mold from a standpoint of, you know, physical, mental, and emotional approach to the game. But here's the other thing, Chris. A lot of people have signed big contracts in professional sports, but they haven't won. Patrick Mahomes is going to be gauged not on the contracts he signs, but on the winning that he does. And that's where he's wired. And we all assume he'll be in Canton, Ohio someday, but he won't speak. You know what? I signed this awesome contract and because that's been done by a lot of people. But he's going to stand up there, in my opinion, and be able to say things very few, if any, be able to say because of his winning and his consistent performance as a Mitch, life off the field. Mitch Holtis is with us. A couple more minutes as uh, we talk Patrick Mahomes, voice of the Chiefs. You hear Mitch and his uh, phenomenal coverage with the Chiefs Network on KFOR. So, Mitch, when I look at, at your roster here with the Chiefs, Tariq Hill, the Cheetah's 26. Kelsey's uh, a little gray in the beard. I'm kidding, of course, at 30. Uh, Sammy's at 27. Damian Williams at 28. Clyde, who I love out of LSU's, uh, coming in. That is fantastic skill around an, an, an incredible quarterback. The offensive line, how, how is that right now? Uh, just sorry to put you on the spot with it, but I'm, I'm looking at the offense, and I know the Chiefs can get after the quarterback, but uh, just overall, this has been a perfect fit from day one, trading up to get Mahomes, teaming Patrick with Andy Reid, and then these these weapons that good luck trying to cover and keep them under 40. But this yeah. this is a long-term, not just deal, but this roster looks to be uh, this puzzle this puzzle's put together and the glue's drying is what I'm saying with, with, the, with the age ranges well when you were going through those guys I'm thinking in my mind prime 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 <laughs> either at the growth or hitting the prime or in the case of Kelsey I still he's in his prime <laughs> I mean he was, had such a phenomenal year last year and he had to fight through uh, a lot of nagging injuries and so forth he didn't miss any time he was brilliant last year and I think he had his greatest year, even though statistically it might have not been the biggest numbers. Here's the other thing I was thinking as you're reading through that. Two things. One, Patrick Mahomes in this contract now says we can chart the course. Let's chart the course for the next 10 years the salary cap and build a team around me. I'm not going to eat up the whole cap or a percentage of the cap where now we can't uh, have a team around me. So let's, you now, we now know where we're at. Let's move forward. Second, let's just put this in terms of the Nebraska Cornhuskers. This would be like the 71 Nebraska Cornhuskers or the 1995 Nebraska Cornhuskers getting four more years of eligibility. That's what it's like. Tommy Frazier gets four more years we didn't think he was going to get, and now you get the Huskers of 95 and 96, 97, 98, 99. That's what this is like. You have the potential as the Chiefs to make a phenomenal run here over the next three to five to seven years. Mitch, let's talk threats in the AFC. No more Brady. He's down in Tampa. Lamar Jackson in Baltimore. Tennessee, of course, Watkins and and the Texans. Uh, We'll see what what their uh, improvement looks like. And what's the gap right now between those chasing Kansas City and Kansas City? Because, as you know, the NFL is such a year-to-year. Yep proposition well you always start with the division and the chiefs have been dominant in the division 27 wins in the last 30 division games they have just run roughshod over the afc west now for basically four and a half seasons 
but I see the talent level of all three of those teams, Chargers, Broncos, and Raiders, rise gradually. They've had good drafts. They keep adding to their team. So I think there will be more challenges in the division. I'm going to add Pittsburgh into your list because I don't think they're, they're just feisty enough that with Roethlisberger's healthy, they're going to come in there and join this party. Baltimore is the team. I mean, they're, the Chiefs have beaten uh, Lamar Jackson's not lost very many games as a starting quarterback, two of those to the Chiefs, but both of those games are at Arrowhead Stadium. So uh, the, now we're going to go to Baltimore to play them uh, this year, and it's early in the season. So Baltimore's really close, if not parallel. And then not far behind, you've listed the main uh, challengers. But I would throw in Pittsburgh into that group and understand that the division's getting better. Mitch, Hol- Mitch Holtis, voice of the Chiefs with us here. And you hear him on KFOR, uh, part of the Chiefs network, uh, incredible coverage. So last thought here as two more contracts are out there for the Chiefs, Andy Reid and, of course, Chris Jones. Andy Reid's phenomenal, and I, I love his attitude, and he's just brilliant. What, what's, a, what's, a, what's a timeline, in your opinion, for Reid, for Jones? And last thought to load this up on you. How's the, the, the word around the campfire been between getting ready with the NFL season moving forward and this, the, the, the pandemic that, that is a reality in our country and, and the rest of the world? Let's start with Andy Reid. I think when he came to Kansas City, it put like 10 years into his life. Hmm. Uh, he had given everything he had in Philadelphia. He had lost his son. It was just a lot that had drained him. I think coming to Kansas City rejuvenated him. I know it did. We've had that discussion privately. Two, getting a quarterback with the ability and acumen of Patrick Mahomes gave him another couple of years in his life. I think winning the Super Bowl, instead of him being satisfied, knowing how he is, I think that's added to his uh, uh, years. Mm -hmm. So I don't think he's done. I don't think he's close to being done. And he wants to keep rolling with this. The Chris Jones contract, I don't have that crystal ball. And uh, even though this contract is done with Patrick Mahomes and they can chart the course, what can the Chiefs do? It's a different situation. It's not an apples-to-apples comparison with um, Mahomes. And you don't know. You have uncertainty here of what the cap is going to be and the revenues that will be lost if they're lost because of COVID and the pandemic. So... Un, less easy to predict what will happen with Chris Jones. And that position is different than the quarterback. And not taking nothing away from Chris Jones, but you can't, you can't really compare the two. Sure. Okay. Uh, third, COVID. I don't know. It changes every day. Honest to goodness. We're sitting here, what, the 7th July. At, I could tell you one thing today and tomorrow it can change. We thought we were going to have camp in St. Joe. Then we were told, no, well, we had a great COVID set up, uh, COVID pandemic quarantine set up in St. Joe was perfect. And now we've had to adjust to maybe something less than that in Kansas City. We've already had two preseason games taken away. Uh, If you had to ask me today, I think we'll play. I think we'll play in front of some fans, but put it in pencil and don't put it into your phone and save it forever because this could be uh, something different. Um, So just stay tuned on it. Um, So I can't, you know, predict there for sure. Mitch Holtis, voice of the Chiefs. Mitch, have a great rest of your week and thanks for your time today. 
and we'll be having those training camp reports. You know, every day we report to KFR and their listeners during camp. People love those reports, and we look forward to bringing it to you again. Good stuff there from the voice of the Chiefs, man. I can hear him saying, touchdown, Kansas City. Touchdown, Patrick Mahomes. Good to get his perspective. Awesome from Eric Warfield. Some more thoughts on college football. Plenty to go. I'll open phones till six here. Next on ESPN and Hale Varsity. Chime in 402-466-ESPN or email the show, Chris at HaleVarsity.com. Just try me. Try me. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back to you, it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery Chris Schmidt. Damon Barr. We'll dive into some uh, well, some poundage gained by a former MVP in a moment. We welcome in Ron. You can also chime in. Open phone still 646-6376 or 800-825-5865. Ron, thanks for calling. Go ahead. Okay, thank you. On the uh, football game at uh, Kearney this weekend for the high school seniors, I was thinking uh, way back when I went to high school um, that uh, we used to have what's called the spread formation. Uh, you have bigger gaps between the offensive linemen and then uh uh, coordinatingly, uh, the defense lets their gaps out wider to uh, cover. Wouldn't that be more healthy than having uh, tight formations that uh, uh, they're always pounding into each other like a scrum? That uh, you know that that was one of the basis of the the, uh, the wishbone. Where uh, originally Oklahoma did ha- had small un- undersized players, and the uh, I can't remember the name of that coach from A and M that came up with the. Uh, uh, it wasn't Bear Bryant, but somebody came up with the uh, wishbone formation and that little, uh, littler players could be more effective against big players if they spread them out on the field, which uh, wide-open offense is what Kansas City succeeded with. So that was my uh, concern that it might be more healthy for these guys to uh, hope the coaches are considering a spread formation more and more for this weekend coming up. No, I know, and you got the Shrine game, and that's going to be probably the first football game since the Super Bowl. Correct. So it'll be nice to, to showcase that in Nebraska. Nebraska's handled things at a, at a high level, quite honestly, with... Well, test. I hope so, but they're only human. No, they are. They're, they're doing their best with it, but from a... From an outbreak standpoint, Nebraska is not on that list with the rest of the country. So, well, that might be because of underreporting and under. Uh, it might be the governor's choice. And well, the, my my point is, is people are considerate. Is at least the people I bumped into, folks are trying to mask up or stay socially distant. Doesn't happen all the time, but it happens a lot of the time, at least in my experience. And Ron, as far as. The, uh, the the formations with line splits, if they're going to do a ode to Mike Leach with, you know, two-foot line gaps, I don't know. That's up to the coaches, but it could be a, a thought. Or they may kind of go do their thing. I'm sure there'll be uh, ample testing up no, to the no, minute for Mike kickoff. Leach. It was somebody else even older. It's, uh, right, it goes back to A&M in the late 50s, but Leach has gotten fame for it now oh, okay. because of what he's done at, what he did at Tech uh-huh. with his line splits. The other thing is the NBA tournament that's going to start up, at, and Disney's hosting it. Doesn't that remind people of the uh, that Disney movie Pinocchio, when boys get together and they do many bad things of bad habits, they turn into donkeys. But don't you think that? It's gonna- Thanks for the call, Ron. Couldn't take him anymore. Sorry. Maybe I'm an impatient, but the split thing was fine. 
As far as the NBA, good luck and God bless. That thing's going to be a real pain to deal with because guys are going to, at some point, kind of stop their, hey, let's get back. And I don't think half the NBA wants to even be there and play, to be honest with you. They just don't. It's been a while since I've seen Pinocchio. The people turning the donkeys in the movie. You haven't seen Pinocchio either? <laughs> I haven't. Maybe I like saw five minutes of it when I was three years old, but not since then. Yeah, I was probably three or five. I don't know. I have no earthly idea what the, the, the coaches for the Shrine game are going to do. No clue. We'll have to check with Duda on that. But so, yeah, where were we before that adventure? Uh, that'll be our our trivia for tomorrow. Who came up with the wishbone? Yeah, faster dudes in assignment-based offense. The whole world ran wishbone, and then it turned into I-formation, and then it turned into one-back, and some folks kept running the option. But, yeah, we'll see when and if the NBA gets rolling. Baseball's having a hard time right now. I, the NHL still kind of dotting some I's, crossing some T's. And Damo, what's your take here, man? What's what's your outlook? I, they'll play NBA, but it's an afterthought. It is. I mean, and I know their season was about completed, and I want to see Zion. But you've got David Silver. I mean, he's the guy that says, you know, a, you've got guys that need to get into game shape with the NBA, but there is a a worry about positive tests. And this is from several of the NBA teams traveling to Florida today. Silver expressed concerns of potential positive coronavirus cases following quarantine inside the league's campus setup could reveal an essence uh, a hole in our bubble. So you had an interview with Silver. The NBA expects more positive coronavirus tests to pop up at the uh, Walt Disney World Resort. Uh, once teams arrive, all personnel going to be tested and quarantined for at least two days. And he won't be surprised when the, uh, the first come down to Orlando to have some additional players test positive. That's going to happen. How do you manage it? How do you stop the spread? Several teams, that's Brooklyn, that's Denver, that's the Clippers, that's Miami, that's Milwaukee, that's Sacktown. They've closed their practice facilities in the past week due to positive tests among their respective travel groups. It's going to spread. Florida's Department of Health reported 7,347 additional positive cases. Tuesday, the state now is at 213,000. So this is the wrong spot to go. But, I, it, but it's in association with ESPN and Disney and your partnership. And there you go. Well, the, the weirdest thing to me is, well, one, I would love to see a conclusion to this NBA season just because of all the, the player swaps. The last offseason was such a fun thing to track and to see all the players go to different places. Where's Kawhi going? Exactly. But the weirdest thing to me is the NBA is what really started this whole quarantine when people 
on the teams got the disease and they canceled the season. And not they, much, they kicked off things. Not much has changed since then. So it kind of it's confusing how they're expecting to go through a, a full finish to this season. I, well, I don't. It's, see, it's behavior. Are, yeah. are are you are you staying safe? Are you masking up? Are you out in clubs? And I'm not piling on. Are are you staying home or are you out and about? Are you are you doing everything in your power to prevent from catching this, or do you care? I mean, it kind of comes down to your mindset and perspective here and what you believe. And so, when it comes to the NBA, and the NBA was brilliant because they had setups with private labs before about everybody and anybody to get testing rolling. Uh, Silver doesn't believe the league will be forced to shut down due to, to one positive case. However, a spread could bring the NBA to a halt. This is what's kind of dangerous here, is if if folks aren't cautious and careful in quarantining, are you going to start and then have to stop again? And if that happens, the rest of the leagues may go, uh, oops, then the NFL is going to move forward. But this is such a a weird finish to the NBA. We'll see how their stomach is for it. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. So we've got our history, Ron, of the wishbone here, bud, and you've got Texas 1968, Emery Bellard. Developed the wishbone as offensive coordinator for Daryl Royal in 68 for Texas. The roots can be traced back to the 1950s, according to our old buddy Barry Switzer, where Charles Spud Kaysen coached football at William Morning Junior High. That was in Fort Worth, Texas. The first modified classic T formation to get the old slow fullback into the play quicker. A guy named Makovica would argue that slow fullback moniker. <laughs> but you had the uh, uh, Monning T back in junior high. It was brought to Breckenridge High School, just uh, west of Fort Worth. And then on and on you go. Emery passed away in 2011 at the age of 83. Love the wishbone, man. 67 Bellard was hired by Daryl Royal because the Longhorns were only scoring about 18 points a contest coming off a 6-4 and four season. And there you go. You had an option offense with gold Gene Stallings and Bear Bryant before Bear left off for uh, Bama. So there you go. Damon Barr, it's Tuesday. What is Damon Barr doing? Well, it's my roommate's 22nd birthday today, uh-huh. so a little bit of round two action tonight, I suppose. For so where are you going Scotty. to mask up and, and socially distant? At home. <laughs> so you're not going anywhere? No. We're, you're not going to go to Duffy's or he, go to the bar? The he's bar? not that much of a bar guy anyway, so I doubt we would have to begin with, so we'll, we'll take it easy. Okay, so what is homeboy's drink of choice? He likes the, the schnapps. The peppermint shots of peppermint schnapps is his go-to whenever he really? parties. Yep, <laughs> and he, he loves summer what, shandies. Are you guys and, uh, out of Goldschlager or what? 
he, he's got a weird taste in alcohol, man. Let me tell you. Are you going to sneak any rum in? Uh, well, sneak into my own house? Yeah. So we need, in all honesty, we need to, to break this losing streak the uh, Lincoln A's are on. So it's not quite leaving rum for Joe Boo. But if the team, oh, the team's not even 18 yet. If the coaches chip in for a bottle of Damon Bar rum, can we treat you like that's the 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 offering to you? I, w- I would be honored, actually. Okay. Are you uh, particular about your rum? Uh, no, I'll drink it. That's that's my particularity to that. So either sailor or captain. Yeah, either one. Okay, and I'm sure there's some sort of you know rum out there that's either higher end or <laughs> way lower end. But are you one of those guys that'll turn your nose up like uh, McCormick's vodka is what my my brother-in-law uncle Andy will? That's what he'll bring you. Bless his heart. Uh, but not everyone reaches for that at the same time. It's more of I'll take what I can get kind of thing. I'm not I'm not a picky drinker whatsoever. Okay. Damon Barr, the rum connoisseur. Good enough. Good show today. Great to be back. And thanks for spending time and listening in. Mitch Holtis was with us. Eric Warfield with us. Mitch Sherman joined us tomorrow. We'll run down Blair Kirkhoff of the Kansas City Star. Get some thoughts on the world of college football with him. Mike Babcock is going to be with us. Brad Edwards. And how about a little shoey time? Mike Shuart, Wilderness Ridge. So we'll talk to you tomorrow at 4. Get the podcast, HailVarsity.com or iTunes, on demand, ESPNLincoln.com. See you.